Welcome to Grace 360, a vibrant discussion on issues of diversity that we hope is engaging, biblical, and slightly entertaining. The goal of these podcasts is create a healthy, honest, and helpful discussion for Christian educators, parents, and students from a biblical perspective on current cultural issues relating to diversity. Diversity, for our purposes, is related to the acrostic GRACE, that's grace with two A's, gender, race, age, ability, culture, and economic status. But we don't have all the answers. We hope our discussion is thought-provoking and helpful. Welcome to Grace 360. Welcome back. This is Jenny Brady, and we wanted to start off by saying thank you so much to all our listeners. We have been encouraged by your input and wanted to let you know about another opportunity to dive deeper in our biblical understanding of diversity, equity, and inclusion. On April 26th through 28th, the Christian Educators Diversity Alliance will be hosting the Christian Educators Diversity Symposium at Prestonwood Christian Academy. We have many incredible speakers coming to talk on topics such as systematic versus individual diversity work, LGBTQ and how we minister well to our students, cultural humility, and much more. We're grateful to be sponsored by Association of Christian Schools International, CESA, the Council on Educational Standards and Accountability, and Joshua Expeditions. Tickets can be purchased at cesaschools.org. To Marcus Ragland and Cindy DeLeon were previously occupied, so Dan Panetti and I will be here with you today. And we wanted to tackle the topic of ability, in particular that of physical ability. So we've invited one of our amazing alumna to come in and share with us today. Uh, Ms. Chandler, would you mind introducing yourself yeah. and telling everyone a little bit about you? Yeah. Hi. Um, so my name's Chandler Gobin. I graduated high school in 2012. And I was born with cerebral palsy. That's a disability. It affects my balance and coordination. And because of my disability, I graduated with my master's in social work. I wanted to really try to help other people understand what my life with a disability is like. And I also want to help other people with a disability who may not have had the advantages and supports that I have had to try to help them succeed in life. Um, Right now, I work at SMU, and I help college students with disabilities um, try to navigate life on a college campus. And it's really fun um, because I had a disability too. And so I get to relate to them on that. Okay, so Chandler, one of the things you just said that just kind of hit me was you want to help people, right, that don't have necessarily the same advantages and supports that you had. I mean, you didn't, you didn't have it easy going, going to school and, and just, um, you know, making it through every day for, you know, years and years and years here. What if, if you could change one thing, right, if you could have had a particular advantage going through high school, even into college, um, that you've learned about, experienced later in the past, that you could have gone back and said, hey, I wish I'd had this, what would that have been? I think that probably would have been someone who I knew who had CP. So I didn't know anyone growing up who had my diagnosis. The only people I saw who had any sort of like physical impairment growing up, and this is going to sound dramatic, but it, it was homeless people on the streets. I would see people with walkers and wheelchairs. And I remember growing up thinking, I'm going to be homeless because I, the only people I see who have a wheelchair or a walker are people on the streets. And I don't know how I'm going to support myself if I can't walk right or if I can't, you know, if I can't be independent, how am I going to, you know, 
like survive and stuff. Um, and I think that would have helped my mom a lot too. I think when she had me, she had some guilt thinking it was her fault that I have CP and if it, if she could do something different, like she would have. But I remember growing up, she's like, if I could have just had you, you know, when you were older, some, someone telling me like, it's all going to be okay. Like your daughter's going to be fine. Like that, that would be great. And I think that's, that's a voice that we desperately need because there's the side of disability it's it's way too polarized, you know. We're either viewed as some sort of angelic cherub that like doesn't do anything wrong, and like, oh my gosh, poor you! Like, I feel so sorry. Like, I'll pray for you. Or on the other hand, we're seen as like some sort of like monster, you know, deformity and something that everyone should be afraid of. When the reality is much more nuanced, you know. Like we're we're just normal people who happen to have. Like, I happen to have brain damage. And it wasn't until recently that I figured out CP was brain damage. And I'm like, wow, does that make me stupid? <laughs> because I, you know, and, and, and that's the thing is society tells us that if you have brain damage or if you have something wrong with you, that there's some, like, that that's a bad thing. And, like, it's nice to know that, like, I'm not stupid. You know, I, I have my master's in social work. I've been able to advocate for myself. And a part of that, too, is me having a very mild diagnosis of cerebral palsy. You know, if I had something that was a little bit more pronounced or something where my CP affected my whole entire body, I don't think I would have been able to have had this experience, too. So it's it's also important for me, even though I do have a disability, to recognize the privileges of you know me being able to talk to you, me being able to come to this place and like share like these are the problems that we're experiencing because not everyone with a disability can have that voice, if that makes sense. It does. It does a lot. Um, one of the things Jenny and I were talking about as we were um, thinking about this particular area of uh, ability is that you shared uh, with Jenny that your experience going to SMU and your experience interviewing, just how great they were at really being able to help you as a person with a disability kind of feel like you were included, uh, making sure that they address those particular issues. What would you say to people who are thinking, hey, if, if we want to uh, be more inclusive to people with disabilities, how do you help them feel like they're more included so that you know they feel like part of your community? One of the first thing that comes to my mind is make sure that you have an accessible building. So the ADA, it's the Americans with Disabilities Act. It was created about 30 years ago by um, George H.W. Bush. So that's not George W. Bush, but George Bush Sr. That law has helped me be able to go to college. That law has also helped prohibit things like discrimination when it comes to applying for jobs. Make sure that if you are looking into trying to hire someone with a disability, you read up on the ADA Act. You also want to make sure you read up on your local um, Section 504 Rehabilitation Act that covers specifically discrimination laws in terms of disability rights, um, things like that. We just, we want to make sure that we're informed when it comes to hiring people with disabilities. And there's often, not intentionally, I don't think it is intentional, but I do think there is some form of discrimination with people with disabilities, whether it's intentional or not. And we want to make sure that like we, we check our biases. So making sure that you have an accessible building. If the person is in a wheelchair, 
do you have a ramp or do you have a handrail or some sort of way where they can get into the building. By law, all colleges are required to have that or make some sort of accommodation for that. Churches are not required um, by ADA law to be accessible. And that's something, you know, we can touch on later. But, you know, it's something I'm very passionate about trying to update in the future. Let's let's touch on it now. Yeah. Just d- dive in. What what would you say? So the, yeah. you're talking to a church, you're talking to a Christian school. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, because of the religious exclusion, they don't have to. Um, why would you tell them it's important to do it even if they don't have to? Think about how many people who are older than 60 who need ramps to go to your church. Think about your congregation. Think about the over, like, there's there's got to be a big percentage. I don't know off the top of my head, but a lot of older people rely on church as as just a means of survival, their community. If they don't have access to a ramp to get into their building, how are they going to be able to serve the Lord? It's, and I think a lot of businesses, especially churches um, who are old and you know want to maintain that history, I, I understand from their perspective on, on like not wanting to damage the building. And the ADA has like a part in that where it's like, if it's an old building, you know, you don't have to mess with it, which like part of me is like, you can always renovate it and make it a little bit more accessible, you know. Um, but just because it's not in the law doesn't mean that you don't have to do it, you know. So one of the things that happened when you were at school with us mm-hmm. is um, it's an accessibility um, thought is at one point in time when you were a senior, you were going to walk over from one building to another building for lunch. Right. And you approached me and said, you know what, it's going to be really hard for me. It, it, with my abilities, mm-hmm. walking up on this curb is not going to be possible. Right. It's going to take me a lot of time. Can you help me? Can I propose a plan to, to I guess, make this more accessible for me? Mm-hmm. And I did not know that that would be a problem. And I was so grateful that you came and addressed us and you made a presentation to us and created this plan. What I learned in the process was that there's this phenomenon called the curb cut phenomenon. Mm. And it isn't just um, when we do things for ability, when we do these things that the ADA suggests we do as a church, but is not required as a church, it actually helps a whole lot of other people. Mm -hmm. As you brought up, it helps those um, who are older, Mm -hmm. but it also helps those moms who are pushing strollers. Right. There's so many that it affects, so many people that affects beyond just those who have disabilities. Right. And I think that's that's really important to consider um, because whether or not you have a disability, there might come a time in your life, heaven forbid, where you're going to need a wheelchair or you're going to temporarily need a walker and you're going to need that ramp. Um, And I think people don't like to talk about it because we like the idea of health being this like able-bodied, super fit, like that's never going to happen to me kind of thing. But throughout my life, I've just learned that I'm, I'm, everyone talks about how they're invincible. I've learned that I'm definitely invincible. <laughs> so um, I, you know, I definitely have my fallings and my shortcomings, but, you know, I think one of the most valuable tools that I've learned throughout my life and throughout social work and when it comes to applying for jobs and things like that, the most important thing that you can do as a person with a disability is be your own advocate. So advocate for yourself because no one else is going to do that. Understand what your strengths and weaknesses are. And employees, if you're listening to this, like get a grasp on that and understand how 
valuable that is for someone to speak truth onto what their own like abilities are. Um, understand how how vulnerable it is to say, hey, I need help with this, but that doesn't make me less than, you know? So in, in saying that, mm-hmm. let me ask you this, and, and um, I want to say it in, in the right way so that... Yeah. And this is, this is part of the part of the question we always have when we're talking about diverse issues is, you know, when it's not your area of, of, of you know, diversity, um, sometimes we say things, we go, well, I don't know how that's being received. Um, but how is... Chandler Gobin identified as a person with a disability as opposed to identified by your disability, right? So that you're, you sort of, you know, walk through life and your disability goes before you and everybody, right? Oh, here comes Chandler and she's got this particular, how do you go through life and how do we help you, right? Navigate those things so that as we, you know, as we run across you, as we're your teachers, your friends, your, you know, people that, that we don't just place you in a box of, you know, there's Chandler with this particular disability. And that's really a nice question because, you know, before recently that question hasn't really been asked a lot, but I'm, I'm really excited because people are starting to be like, how do I call you? Do I say special needs? Do I say person with a disability? And I'm like, wow, like, you're you actually care you know and like these are the kinds of conversations that like need to be had and I think it's going to depend on person by person for me um personally I like saying you know person with a disability or I like saying like what they're figuring out what their specific diagnosis is because a disability can mean so many different things right like we can be talking about schizophrenia we could be talking about you know bipolar disorder or multiple sclerosis and so i like to narrow down even further and just say oh hi i'm chandler i have cerebral palsy here i'll give you my little spiel on what it is you know and sometimes i'm gonna be honest with you i i hope that when people see me, they don't see how I walk. You know, I hope when I go to interviews and stuff, when I was trying to apply for jobs, the first thing they see, I hope, is not like if I use a cane, I hope they don't see that and like try to be like, oh, she can't have a job because she can't walk, right? Or, you know, I know of someone who may not have the same qualifications as her, but I know he can get around and do things better. Like, I don't want them to see that. I want them to see that, like, I'm a lot more than that. Not trying to minimize the disability because there are parts of me that, you know, I do try to manage and I do try to um, be aware of, but at the same time, not saying that this is only who I am, this is only what I'm ever going to be because my disability confines me, because it doesn't. It doesn't, like, nothing will ever confine any of us. We're all children of God. So as I've continued learning, I've learned that there are two models of disability. You have the medical model of disability and you have the social model of disability. And and really what they do is they look at disability and who's affected by it. So the medical model looks with the functional analysis of the body as a machine to be fixed in order to conform to the normative values versus the social model. It's used to refer to the restrictions caused by society when it does not give equivalent attention and accommodation to the needs of individuals with impairment. So what it is, is if a person is unable to climb stairs, the medical model focuses on making the individual physically able to climb stairs. The social model tries to make stair climbing unnecessary, such as replacing the stairs with a wheelchair accessible ramp. Yeah. And so how do you feel about that, especially within the Christian environment and within schools? What is your take on on where Christians and Christian institutions should be with this? So I'm going to just start by saying that I am not 
like I'm incredibly grateful to be here, but I also want to point a disclaimer out that there's a bunch of different opinions on this, and I'm only speaking on me, Chandler Gobin, one person with CP who happens to have this opinion. So you're going to like I might have a certain opinion on this. You're going to find Danny with multiple sclerosis has a different opinion on this. That that's fine. Um personally for me, um medical model is they both have their flaws. Let, let's I'll be honest with that. Um the medical model for me is probably going to be the most realistic route in terms of we don't have an accessible world and I have to try to adapt to it as much as possible. So here's what I'm going to try to do. For example, I mean, I started physical therapy when I was around 13 months old. I just finished physical therapy today and I'm really tired, but it's it's um, part of my maintenance of having CP and we rely on that medical model. Um, and I have to, for example, I have to stretch every day five different stretches to keep my muscles from getting tighter and it stinks sometimes you know like I I don't want to have to do it sometimes and I don't want to work out and I don't want to be fit because like if everyone else is like why am I the only one who has to do it but at the end of the day I have to suck it up because like, this is how my body works. Like, my body, the way how CP works is um, it sends weird messages down to my brain and down to the rest of my body saying I have my muscles have to constantly tighten and stiffen up. So if I don't stretch every day and keep those muscles loose, then I'm going to have continual pain. And I don't want that. And so the only way right now for me to fix that is through continual stretching and continual exercises and stuff. Um, physical therapy is a form of medical interven- intervention that will help me become as independent as I possibly can. Um, one thing I want to mention while I'm on the topic of physical therapy, one thing I'm also very passionate about too, is physical therapy typically stops for children with dis- disabilities around the age of 18. And this is something that I have personally struggled with Um, since trying to find a physical therapist after I've become an adult. Um, Because growing up as a kid, I thought, oh, okay, like, you don't really conceptualize the idea of a disability being forever. You're just like, okay, I have CP, so I go to physical therapy. And once I'm done with physical therapy, I'm going to be normal again. (laughs) And then, then you grew up and you realize oh, I actually need physical therapy. This isn't a form of torture. This is something that I actually have to have. However, most insurance plans and policies and medical doctors do not treat people with disabilities over the age of 18. It wasn't until I was around 22 or 23 where I was able to find a physical therapist who specializes in CP, knows what that is, and is able to develop a treatment protocol for me. And I still have my idea of physical therapy being the best intervention for spasticity with my specific kind of CP. Now, you know, like I said, I'm only talking about myself here. If you have a different disability, you're going to find a different intervention that works for you. For me, that's the best model. Now, when we're talking about the social aspect, in an ideal world, yes, everything would be accessible. We would have wheelchair ramps everywhere however they cost so much money like wheelchairs insurance doesn't really pay that much money for it um you know and 
realistically, not a lot of people can afford the things that they need, like wheelchair ramps or other things like that. So right now we're kind of stuck a little bit with this outdated medical model. And part of me wishes it could, like Christians as a society could understand a little bit more of the medical stuff that we go through. And instead of being like, oh, you're such an inspiration, be like, wow, that's a lot of grit and determination that you don't talk about because you're trying to be as normal as you possibly can, you know? You prompted a question that I had because you and I have had this discussion before, yeah. and, and and excuse me to all the listeners who get a little jarred by this by this um, title, but it's inspirational porn. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. So what is inspirational porn? Um, you know, at first I thought it was a compliment. Like everyone wants to be called an inspiration, right? Like you're such an inspiration. Like awesome, cool. What did I do? And that's, that's the question, is what did I do? Um, is me having a disability inspiring to you? Does it make you feel grateful that you don't have one? Um, and if those are the follow-up questions to why I'm inspiring, then you might want to second-guess yourself. You know, For me, what, what I think is inspiring are World War II veterans. What did they do? They were combats in World War and they have PTSD and all of this baggage from it, but they sacrificed their lives for us. What did I do? I walked. I went to the gym. And you're uncomfortable seeing me there because you don't you don't see a lot of people with disabilities at the gym, you know, and you say, oh, wow, it's so brave of you to come out here. And I'm like, thanks. You know, like, I'm not going to bash people for saying, like, you're such an inspiration because I don't think they mean it as an insult. I think a lot of it is ignorance, you know. Um, and so that's why I think it's important to have these kinds of conversations so that way people are a little bit more aware. It's it's not me saying, like, oh, you're anti-PC, like, you know, like, you should know better, whatever. It's just saying, like, okay, like, we get called inspirations a lot, but we're really, I promise you, we're not that interesting. And it's funny reading more about inspirational porn. I know that um, I've had conversations that people say it happens a lot of time around prom or homecoming when somebody asks the person with a disability oh, out. Yeah. And I know that, that that has been something that you um, you struggle with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, I get it. It, it makes it makes for a good story, you know, like you'll you'll see it on Facebook or you'll see the one of my least favorite things is like the like share one like equals one prayer for like a person with a very visible deformity like those things like really tick me off because that's not how prayer works you know and it's not that's not how we should be approaching people who are very different from us and we shouldn't be pitying people and I think that's the main thing is like we and and, and it's hard it's hard to I don't want to say it's hard to talk about because it's not. It's just I don't want to be offensive. But at the same time, this stuff kind of gets me a little bit mad. Um, and I'm a people pleaser, so I like keeping the conversation super light. But at the same time, it's just like um, that that person that you're taking to prom is also a person. And they should be asked out to prom if you find them attractive. If you don't find them attractive, you don't have to ask them not to prom just because you're trying to be popular or you're trying to, like, be a hero or something like that. Um, and that doesn't 
I, I want to say that that doesn't really happen to me a whole lot anymore, except for when my disability is a little bit more visible. So if I have a surgery or something where I need a wheelchair or I need a walker or something like that, which has happened to me several times in college, I'll hear, you're such an inspiration or, you know, you're, you know, we really appreciate you being out here. And I, you know, and I'm like, okay, like I get it, but I don't receive those kinds of like remarks when I'm walking normally or as normally as I can, you know. So I guess another question I have for you is one of my good friends always talks about creating an environment where everybody feels like we anticipated their arrival, where we planned on them coming, where we wanted them to be part of our community. And so, you know, our school doesn't have a lot of students with disabilities, and it's something that we have a lot of learning to do. How do we better go about, if we have a student who's applying who has a disability, how do we go about making it, them feel like we anticipated their arrival? Are there questions we should ask? Are there questions? we shouldn't ask what does that look like in your opinion I'd say get us try to learn from the parent you know if the parents comfortable talking about the disability understand what their diagnosis is understand what their needs are kind of get an overall idea of like okay you know this student's blind so um, well let's get her you know a text to speak you know, technology assistive device. Let's try to make reading accessible so that way, and you know, it's text to speech, um, things like that. You know, that's the kind of stuff we do at SMU is we'll, we'll work with whatever the medical diagnosis is because that's just kind of how we do things there. And then after we get the medical diagnosis, we figure out what the appropriate accommodations are. And so um, that's it, it's funny that you mentioned that because that, that's what we do. And um, that's what I would do if I were Christian college is figure out what the medical diagnosis is, figure out once you get that diagnosis, get figure out maybe from like a diagnostician or neuropsychologist, they typically have recommendations for um, individualized learning, you know, things like that. So if you're able to get that paperwork, try to get it. If you're able to talk to the student, talk to the student about their disability. A lot of times kids with disabilities aren't comfortable discussing their own disability because they want to be normal. You know, they they want to try to hide it. I remember when I was a kid, it, I didn't really discuss my CP until I was in eighth grade. You know, that that's 14 years of me being very uncomfortable with my own self um, and being able to really not discuss my own needs until I was an adult. And so recognize that there's going to be kids who may not be comfortable sharing their disability. And that's, that's okay. That's part of growing up, you know, and they're going to, they're going to learn how to be their own advocates. But in time, try to do as much research as you can talk to the parent, um, get that necessary paperwork that you can so you can be prepared. Um, And understand too, that this is a learning process. Um, it's going to be a learning process for the person with a disability who understands what their needs are and aren't. It's going to be a learning process for you. So you can't have everything right 100% of the time. But what you can do is commit to learn and commit to grow. And that's, that's the best you can do, you know. So as I've been on this process of learning about ability and uh, the different abilities that everybody has, um, one resource that I found very very helpful is um, an organization called All Belong. Um, Elizabeth Dombrowski is the head of that, and she, they are an organization that helps schools and churches 
be inclusive with all abilities, whether it's a learning disability, it's a physical disability. Their goal is for Christians, Christian organizations to be truly inclusive with all of the different abilities. And so I can highly recommend that. And then I guess I have one last question for you, Chandler, as, as we wrap up. And so grateful you were here to share with us, especially as we continue to learn. But did you have one teacher or one moment in a Christian school that you were like, yes, they get it. I'm, you felt like you were finally comfortable being your Yourself. Is there something like that that happened that you could help, I don't know, give us a little insight on? Can I shout out a teacher? Absolutely. Okay. When I was a junior and at high school, I had a teacher. Um, his name is Mr. Lee. Um, he's very popular among us alumni here. But he, um, I, I had a, a tendon lengthening surgery, and that's a very big surgery in terms of cerebral palsy. Um, it requires me to be in a wheelchair for s- several months, not walk, and it's pretty pretty intense. Um, I remember feeling pretty isolated. You know, it's there's not every day where if everyone else was in a wheelchair, like that would be a different story. But when you're the only one who's in a wheelchair, it just makes things awkward. But I remember going into his office during activity period and he would just say, hey, if you ever just want a space to lay out and listen to Harry Potter audiobooks, I'm here. And I'm like, thank you. I finally have a place to go eat lunch now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, teachers, if you're listening, Students with disabilities are lonely. We want someone to talk to, and we want someone who gets it. And what I mean by getting it is not being poor you, I feel sorry for you, whatever. What I mean by getting it is joking around with the student, having a light sense of humor, not laughing at the student, but understanding that this is a painful process that is isolating, and the student feels very alone and uncomfortable. If you're that voice of support for that student that says, hey, I get it. Here's a place where you can just chill and um, I won't mind if you stay here. Like that, that means the world to a student. I wish there was more like media representation and disability in general. I wish there was more people who said it's okay that you walk differently or it's okay that you have this or have that um, because the majority of my life has been trying to pass as normal and I've been kind of successful in that but when you find people who like accept you despite your disability um, that's what we want that's what everyone wants right um, and thank goodness we have that in Christ you know that total acceptance of being exactly who we are. We're just asking that for everyone else. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, Chandler, I mean, having you at the school, I think it's one of the things that, and you know, Jenny and I talk about this is, you know, the the school, obviously we can learn a lot and step back and just say, um, you know, here's some accommodations that need to be made, thinking through every aspect of a student from, you know, retreats to dances to just, you know, lunch, but all the different things. And, and just to take into consideration, you know, how, how is Chandler, um, you know, handling all these different situations and how can we make accommodations so that she has the best time here? And I think from a school perspective, you know, we, we want to do that because we want you to, to be as successful as a student as you can be. We want you to feel uh, welcome here. Uh, and I think as, as other schools, uh, you know, who are listening to this are thinking, yeah, if we want to diversify and add students who have particular disabilities, and you learn about those disabilities and you think, I don't know how we're going to be 
able to, to do all the different things that need to be done. I'm telling you, it's, it's worth it to do it. And as Jenny said, it's going to help a lot of other people uh, who are accessing you know, those same locations. Um, but you know, just, just to have Chandler be an alumni and be able to come back and share all the great things you know, that she's doing now um, and say, hey, you know, she really, I mean, you, you made it through um, a time where there weren't a lot of accommodations for you and, you know, you pushed through and you had to learn to fight for yourself and you're doing it. And now you've turned around to go and help other people, which is just an incredible opportunity uh, for those people who are, you know, following behind you saying thank you for going out and, you know, doing the hard work so that they can have a little bit uh, easier path because of the work that you're doing. So I think this is super helpful for us and hopefully for our listeners as well. Yay. So Chandler, thanks for coming in and spending some time yeah, with us. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Grace 360 with two A's. As always, the views and opinions expressed in the podcast are for educational purposes and are not intended to be divisive or inflammatory in nature. We hope you listened and learned as much as we have in the process of producing the show and pray you'll join us for our next episode. And as always, you can find us on social media at Grace360. That's G-R-A-A-C-E 360.